Welcome to today's episode of Fire in the Belly. This is where we get to hear some pretty inspiring stories from some amazing people. You know, it's always an absolute pleasure to sit down, take time out and have a warts and all conversation about their journey. I'm always intrigued by what it's taken for people to get to where they are today. And hopefully in this interview, we get to hear some more about that. From this, my mission is to help people to find their own fire in their belly. And from that, to live the mightiest version of you. So without further ado, sit back, relax, and enjoy today's guest. Success is a process, not an event. Good morning and welcome to Fire in the Belly. Today we have myself, Mighty Pete, and we're joined by a very special guest, Lisa McFarlane. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Listen, awesome to have you on. So Lisa, tell us, who are you? What are you doing? Where are you from? No, Pete, that is a very complicated <laughs> question. The who are you? What do you just want to jump in there right now? Um, uh, I am um, a woman and a wife and a mummy and a daughter and a all those things, all those things. Um, and I am also a life and relationship coach. And I have a passion for talking about love and life and relationships. That is very short. That was very short. I could make half an hour to just that there, Pete. <laughs> just give us, the, give us the next level down. I mean, sort of love, okay. life, relationships, coaching. Do we need yeah. coached? Yeah. Um, well, it was a fascination to me when it came to me. Um, my background is in, H- in HR. And I had been to numerous uh, management um, sort of, you know, day training and this sort of thing. And they were all fine. Mm, I want to say quite superficial and um, all fine. Just techniques, techniques uh, about how to give out verbal warnings and how to, you know, and all that sort of thing. And then it um Came time sort of in my job for me to go for another. It was a couple of years had passed, so I needed to sort of, you know, and I, I'm quite a spiritual person. And I said to my manager at the time, um, if you could find me something a little bit different or a little bit woo-woo, sorry if that offends anybody. Um, and she was like, what are you like? And she came back with life coaching. And I said, I have no idea what this is. And at the time, I didn't know that I had limiting beliefs about um, educating myself. Um, I now know about limiting beliefs through doing the life coaching course. So um, I hadn't got on very well at school. And I now know that I'm dyslexic. So that's um, a whole other podcast. Um, But did the first module was free. So I thought, right, I'll do the first module. If I can manage the first module, surely it'll not get any worse than that. Did the first module, of course, what was it about? Limiting beliefs. Um, so I life coached myself through that first module, got 100% in that first module, and that was it. The rest is, as they say, history for me. Um, loved it, loved it, loved it. Took me longer than it probably would took someone else. The diploma that I did, you could probably do in six months, took me about 14 months. Um, I had three sort of, I have three children who were sort of, 10 14 15 so I had to I was mummying and doing all that and working uh, but I enjoyed taking my time at it because I was life coaching myself through the course and my intention then was to just use it within my business which um, my husband and I own a business and he is finance and I am HR and my plan was to just use it 
to help the staff and build them up and give them new skills. That was my plan then. That was three years ago. Wow, so it's been quite it's quite a fresh journey as such, but there's a lot, obviously a lot of change going on for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would have to say that I've always had, like, I've watched Oprah since I was 18, um, at Dr. Phil, all the ones. I have to say, I've all when I look back now, you know how they say when you see a tapestry on the other side, it's like, oh, now it makes sense. I was always fascinated with that, always read um, self-help books. I always read books that, well, the books that sat with me well were always books like that. Or And I was always fascinated by that sort of human nature and um, just on a personal level. Or why did they do that? Or why did they say that? Why did they just on a personal level? And all those sort of TV chat shows sort of things always resonated with me. And um, and then I started with podcasts 10 years ago, podcasts, listening to podcasts and um, doing all that. So I suppose it just tapped into a little thing that was already brewing inside me. It's really the best way I could say it. That's beautiful. I love that. This, I'm looking forward to getting into this a bit more. So before we get into it, I mean, what, what does Fire in the Belly mean to you? Um. Fire in the Belly is lighting up the passion that had always lived inside. You just really didn't know it even was your passion. So I'm 48 now. Um, so this will probably happen for me around 43, 44. Um, my fire in my belly when I was younger was that I wanted a great love. When I was a teenager and in my 20s, what I, what my fire in my belly was to want, I desired a great love. I desired a movie love. I wanted, I wanted the whole thing. I wanted the, I wanted the happy ever after. I wanted the Waltons. I wanted the whole thing. Um, and I got all that. I got all that. I have a beautiful, beautiful man who worships the ground I walk in on. Uh, he is just my hero. He is my, he is just beautiful. He still has his issues and his moods and all that there. Don't let's all get past ourselves here. And so do I. So, and we have a beautiful home, children who we love and respect and who are doing well. And we worked really hard building that. We have a very successful business. And we, that was our passion. That was our passion in our 20s and our 30s. And then I suppose as I got into my 40s, I started thinking, okay, this is all, we've worked really hard at this. It didn't just happen automatically. We've put the work in. We um, love each other madly but we also have had to work at it and then I started thinking hmm they're going to leave me these children are doing very well and they're going to leave me what's next for me what's next for me and then when this sort of fell on my lap I was like perfect this is perfect and the reason why I tie in relationships into the life coaching is my fire in my belly is we don't get any education on how to do relationships one of we are all in relationships we are born for relationships we are made for connection and we get no education on how to do it and then when it's not working or there's a problem there's really no word go that you cannot go without shame and guilt if something isn't going well with your business you go to the bank manager and you say, da, 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 I need help with this. Okay. If something is not going well with your children, 
you say or when you have new babies I said this to you in a message when you have new babies there is no shame in going to your mate oh my days they screamed all night is this normal behavior what the actual what is there's no shame in that there's no shame in going take this baby off my hands I need to go for a cup of coffee there is zero shame in that there is actually such acceptance and blah 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 I may leave my husband. He's driving me crazy. What? How? Why? Oh, did you hear about them? Their marriage is going down the toilet. It's totally different. It's totally different. And to ask for help within your relationships is still, I believe, seen as some sort of shun, some sort of shit. There's just there's something connected to that that I want us all to get past. And if I have to tell my wee story to help few people get past that, I'm happy to do that. Why why do we need connection? Ooh. What is that? No man's an island. We said that somebody much smarter than me. Um we do. It is in our it is just in our being. It is in our DNA. It is in our cells, some cells somewhere. Now I'm not a relationship coach who says that everybody needs to get married and have 2.3 children. You don't. You don't need people. There are lots of people who probably shouldn't get married. <laughs> there are lots of people who should just be single and travel. But everyone needs a friend. Everyone needs an ear to listen to. Any, there are people who need less and there are people who need more. But everybody needs that neighbor, that somebody, just that person. For me, one of the greatest things in life is to be seen. To be seen is one of the most beautiful, beautiful things. Break that down for us, will you please? Um, so when your partner brings you home your favorite chocolate that hasn't been in the shops for six months, but they've just got that favorite chocolate back home, back in and they bring it to you, you feel seen. You feel seen. And it lights up something inside you. It lights up something inside you. When people take you for granted and can you do this for me? Can you do that for me? Can you do that? You just become worn down, taken for granted. But when you are seen and when you are seen by someone who loves you and cares for you, I believe it's one of the most beautiful things. Is it? I mean, do you have a relationship with yourself too? Is that is that part of this? Oh, absolutely. And at, at the start, whenever so will I give you a little bit of background into my personal relationship? Please, please. Goodness. So um, Nige and I have been together since we were 18. So 30 years passed in March and we'll be 25. I'm really bad with the dates. I'm like the guy in our relationship. Um, 25 years married in, on January 1st. Yes, if I got that wrong. Um, no, I think I'm right. So um, we... As I said, we had we have a business together and a situation came upon us in our business that, oh, we just had to like do this thing that was put upon us by outside. You know, it was a government thing that was put upon us, big change. And you have to just start to do X, Y and Z like this. And um, for me, it was a boxing exercise. Just get it done, Nige. Move on. Just get it done. And he was very much like, okay, whoa, 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 this doesn't sit with me well. I don't think this is how I really want to do it. Why do I have to do it? He was questioning, questioning, questioning. 
And I had great respect for that because he's not a kind of rollover kind of guy. Couldn't be like that if you're with me anyway. So um, we can't be having that. Um, so he's not that sort of guy. So I really respected that in him. But this went on for months and months and months. And it started to really chip, chip, chip at our communication, our marriage, our so we were talking about it all the time. We were talking about it at nighttime. We were going to bed talking about it. It was just affecting everything. And I had been to counselling after my mum had passed. My mum's passed seven and a half years now. And I had been to counselling after she passed. And it was very, very beneficial. Just put things into clear perspective for me. It was great. I only went three, four times, but it was just what I needed to get me over the little hump. And then, um, so um, like a big thing she said to me there, I was like, I just want things to be back to normal. And she said at counselling, it's not going to be normal. This is your new normal. And just little things like that that people say when you go to counselling, you're like, okay, thanks for telling me that. I kind of needed to know, you know, but didn't really want to know. So when this was going, just there was just this six months for Nigel and I that just was, oh, we just couldn't just get it to work. And um, our big girl was turning 16. And I remember saying, um, I'm not doing this at her 16th birthday. We're going to talk to somebody. And he said, what now? We're doing what? And I went, we are. And um, he said, there's nothing wrong with our marriage, Lisa. We just have a problem with this chunk. And I said, but the problem is, Nigel, if we don't get this chunk sorted out, it is going to start having a problem with our marriage, our sex life, our communication, all the things. So, um. It was that it may the conversation may have went something like I'll be there at four o'clock. You better be there too. Maybe might have went something like that. Um, and we went. So we went three times, three times. She said things like, "Stop talking about it at home. You're don't be silly. Stop talking about it at home. It's a work situation. Make a time every day in work at twelve o'clock, eleven o'clock that you spend one and a half hours." talking about it talk about it like two professionals and then don't speak of it again I was like well that's not rocket science so easy did that and um, other little things she told us when we just we incorporated we were we were just ready we knew we needed something and we absorbed everything she told us and we changed we just changed it we were just open to the change and we did it people go to counseling for years if they're not open if they, they hear the words but they don't accept the change so we heard the words and we um, embodied it. So we did it. We did all the things and the work situation got slightly better and it worked. Then I decided that I would take these tools that she had taught me. And I was just around this time doing my life coaching and I would put these together and use it within our relationship. So we had a particular argument style and the argument style went with Nigel um, being what I deemed to be a little bit distant. Maybe he was a bit stressed out or there was things on his mind. And then my technique was, it's beautiful, and I'm so proud of the whole situation, was to go like this. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Is there really something wrong with you? What is it? Tell me what it is. And I remember when I'm doing this, I'm pulling on his arm at the same time, like a seven-year-old. Um, so you can imagine how attractive that is. Not. His response then was defensiveness. There's nothing wrong with me. It's nothing wrong with me. Da, 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 da. And then my response to that was huffing. So now I'm huffing and he's defensive. And we would only maybe have argued like that twice a year, but that could have went on for a week or 10 days. 
So I took all the skills and I'd read all the books and um, I started to change. I started to change the way I came at that. So, for example, when he was there, I decided that I would come to him in vulnerability instead of moaning, defensiveness, huffing. So I started to come in vulnerability and that changed everything. It just changed the huge dynamic in our relationship. And then I started to say things like, why does everybody not know this stuff? Why do we not teach people about how to do relationships? Nigel and I have not argued like that for the last three years. And we argued like that for, I'm going to say, 26 years, 27 years. I'm trying to, I'm trying to put my finger on it. It's, is it is it connection? Is it communication? Is it is it uncertainty in yourself? What is that? For me, a lot of it is, and now when I coach people, it is we argue and communicate the way we've seen arguments and communication. We don't educate ourselves in any other way. So, for example, back in the day, I don't know how old you are, Pete, but back in the day, like our parents smacked us. That's what you did. You smacked your children. That's what happened. We don't do that anymore because we know that doesn't work. Okay. Back in the day in business, we yelled down corridors at people. We shouted at people in the middle of the showroom or the middle of the factory. We don't do that anymore. In all other places in life, we look and go, "Hmm, that's not working. I think we need to do something different. Uh Uh-uh. In relationships, we just repeat and repeat and repeat. And what is that one? Repeating is the Einstein one. You know, it's the mark of insanity. We just keep doing the same things in relationships. And we don't have the education to do anything different. Is I mean, typically when, when you're with your partner, are you being your true self or, or is that a version that you're playing? What is that, do you think? Yeah, I think there's a lot of things done on this, but how many how many versions of yourself are there? Six, seven, you know, it's the face that you put on for most people. Um, yeah, there, there's definitely that. And there's definitely, there can be a lot of, I don't want to let this person down, or there can be a lot of, um, this person's not going to leave me, so I'll behave whatever way I want. Or you fall in love with people, but then you start to treat them. And maybe I don't think that Nigel and I were ever at this but the people that you're meant to love the most you treat the worst there's all sorts of different layers of it in there all sorts of different layers the main thing is we all are going to be in relationships and we don't get any education on how to do them well just break that down for us in terms of you know that people you love the most you you sort of you treat the worst why Oh, if we could get to that. Um, is it that you fall into this huge sense of security and then you're like, I can say whatever I want to them? I mean, we've all heard people say things to their partners that they would never say to their friends. We've all heard that. Um, and that's a huge market. That's disrespect. That's just disrespect. You know, do we become so familiar that we become disrespect? I don't know. I don't know. All I do know is that we need to love and respect the people and we need to like our people. <laughs> we need to like the people that we live with and we're surrounded with. And that can be nearly sort of more important than loving them. But um, we're all going to be in relationships, either with a partner, a lover, a mummy, a daddy. And we 
we have like I coach people all the time and they go, why did they not teach us this stuff? And I go, I know I'm trying. That's all I'm doing here. I'm just trying. I'm trying. Why did they not teach us about love languages? Why did they not teach us about core values? Why did they not teach us about our ego? Why did they not teach us about our inner child? Why did they not teach us about our chimp mind? Why did they not teach us about um, how to deal with stress, how to deal with anger? When you feel that anger lifting in you and you want to say X, Y, and Z to your partner, why do they not, why do we not have strategies that we can get through that and communicate in a calm way and be heard rather than just yelling at each other? Because there are techniques out there. There are techniques out there. Just, uh, you talked a couple of things there and, and some, some great topics there. You talked about love language. Mm-hmm. Just give us a bit of a, a an overview of love language. So everybody should know what their love language is. Um, so it's a free test. You all can Google it. It's just free love languages. He was a married, he, I think he still is a marriage counselor in America. John, oh, I'm so hopeless with these sort of things. Um, and he just, he had counseled couples for 20 years and he sort of started thinking, I think there's a common thread here. And he did a lot of research and he has come up with, it's just, his, it's just his idea, as lots of these things are, five love languages. So the five love languages are <laughs> touch, words of affirmation, acts of kindness, time and gifts. Nearly lost one there, nearly lost one. So the quiz is quite funny. You just do it online and it's just multi-choice and it's like odd questions like, would you prefer it if your partner emptied the dishwasher or brought you home a bar of chocolate. It's just silly things like that. So obviously, if you pick empty the dishwasher, you like acts of service. If you pick bring you home a thing of chocolate, you prefer gifts. And then you fill it, you just tick, 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 and then it spits it out. It emails you what to this. So the secret is you find out what your partner's love language is. And they find out what yours is. And then you speak to each other in their language. So if your partner and you have similar love languages, it's going to be slightly easier. It doesn't mean that if you don't have the same love languages, it's not, you can't make it work. For an and I, time is our number one love language. So that's perfect for us. We know we must make time for each other. And that's easy, easy for us to do that because it's our, it's our, our both top one. Our, my next one is words of affirmation. And his next one is acts of kind, kindness. So what we tend to do is speak to them in ours. So I'll be like, you look great today. Oh, I really like that top on you. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, whatever. Um, but if I bring him a cup of coffee when he's cutting the grass, you would think I'd given him a block of gold. Okay, so they're not huge things. And when we love and respect our person, we're very happy to speak to them in their love language. But, and another thing about love languages is when we get stressed, what we tend to do is speak to the person in ours rather than remembering to speak to them in theirs. And that's, I suppose, I mean, you, you hear people going, you're not listening to me or you don't hear me. Mm-hmm. And couples will say to me all the time, um, he doesn't I don't think he even loves me. And he's like, I took the bins out. I emptied the dishwasher. I took the kids to school. Da, 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 da. And she's like, but you haven't spoken to me all week. And he's like, what am I meant to do? And I'm like, <clears throat> okay, that's just all relaxed here. And then we have to do the love language thing again. Isn't it funny how we, we sort of serve each other and we think, you know, we serve other people in, in the way that maybe resonates with us. 
some, some people get it and some people don't. Mm-hmm. And that's why we're drawn to certain people too. We're drawn to certain people because there's that familiarity, you know. And um, but that's very common in couples. That common couples would say, "He doesn't even love me anymore." I don't think he that it that would be very common. And maybe they are both trying to love each other the best way they know how. It's just not the right way for each other. Isn't it? Yeah, it's it's um. It's yeah. fascinating. I love it. It's fascinating. It is. It's, it's almost like being a fly on the wall too. You get to, you get a sort of an intimate seat at, at uh, you know, in, in someone else's life. It's a point of vulnerability too, right? You know, because you gotta, you gotta be big enough to sit down and say, okay, I mightn't just be completely right, but maybe, maybe, you know. Mm-hmm. Hundred percent, hundred percent. And I love coaching couples. I love coaching couples, and it is. You just feel like you're. Yeah, it, it's so lovely of them to let someone else into their little circle. It's really very lovely of them. And I, I really appreciate, you know, certainly sharing it and, you know, in your own journey in terms of that, recognizing that the need for not not outside influence, but in the need for somebody maybe as a facilitator, right? You know, to, to actually help and, and potentially act as interpreter until languages mm-hmm. are yeah. resynchronized. And people would say that to me when they come to coaching, they go, I can't believe he said that in a good way. I can't believe he said that. Or you, or he might say, you've never told me that before. It's a safe space. It's a safe space. It's a safe space that people know that they can be more vulnerable than they would be. And they know that they're going to get to the end of their sentence before the other person butts in. And that can be very freeing for people, knowing that they're actually going to get it all out without getting interrupted or getting you know, put down in any way. That can be freeing in itself. When I said, to, when I started this whole madness, um, um, obviously we didn't tell anybody that we had went to counselling at the start. We didn't tell, even when we had to get babysitters, we didn't tell anybody that we were going. Um, and then when this all started, I obviously was telling everybody lots of things. And I um, was going on Instagram. I'm quite active on Instagram, as they say. And I was going on Instagram and I came to Nigel and I said, okay, now, the thing with this is, it's not just my thing. I might be the one speaking, but it's our journey. It's our thing. We need to discuss what we're happy to say. What were the lines here? So Nige is a thinker and quiet and all those things that I am not, when I absolutely adore that about him. Um, and he said, I have to think about that. And I went in my head, please, not for two days, because I cannot stick it for two days. But out my mouth came, okay, babe, yes, whatever you need me going in the kitchen, scrubbing the kitchen, going, okay, please let it be seen, please let it be seen. I need an answer right away. I need an answer right away. Thankfully, he came back in about half an hour and he said these words to me. Babe, tell the people whatever it is they need to know because something has to change. Divorce rate has never been. Suicide, especially in men, has never been. Something has to change, babe. And if you need to tell people our wee story and that can save one person, it's worth it. There's so much power in that, really, isn't there? You know, just the attitude to serve and to help and, and as you say, to, to connect. You're going to make me cry now. He's a good man. Does he make you a better person? Oh, every day. If I wouldn't be me, I'd be him. Hmm. But I do like me. I do like me a whole lot. But the gift of it is, I know if he was here, and he was never come on here, Pete, so it's not even try. Uh I know if you were to ask him, he would say, if he couldn't be he, him, he would be me. He loves my outgoingness, my madness, my all that there. And I love his stillness. I love his stillness, his 
his he's so passionately quiet and sees things through to the end I'm like 50 balls in the air at the same time you know and he's like babe 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 you know just last night he did all the Tesco shop yesterday and he came home and I started cooking in the middle of the Tesco shopping being undone and he's like now I can't be here if you're going to do that okay so just pause till I get the shopping done so we, we meet each other in our madness we meet each other in our madness but he is a good guy he is a good guy and he's determined and that can sometimes be an issue for us. It's like, why can't you just do it my way? I have a great idea. Can you not just do it my way? But that determinedness and that passion that he has is very good for me as well, very healthy for me as well. So, um, but yeah, there's not many men who would let, let, I hate that, let their wives, but there's not many, right, many men who would be as encouraging as he is. And I am forever grateful to him for that. That, that it comes across as like, it's, it's respect, right? I mean, it's, it's in a deep respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm sure, like ourselves, Pete, you have people who everything seems fine, it's all fine, it's all fine, and oh, we're getting a divorce. What now? Where did this happen? How did, where did this come from? What? Were, you, were we not just out to, well, we weren't out anywhere. Were we not just, what happened? Good people who love each other, and then the wheels just fall off, and they don't have the tools and the skills to know what to do. Yeah. You guys met quite young, right? We started when we were 18. Oh, Love at first sight? No, 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 no. Well, um, I won't speak for him. We've actually known each other since we were children. We actually knew each other since we were children. My, um, our families went to the same church, so we knew each other from when we were children. And um, that's a whole other section we have to get into, the whole... Uh, religion and all that stuff that's a whole other chunk for you Pete, to get down to um so we grew up in the same church and um, our families were friends um but i did not fancy him at all and um, i did not fancy him at all and we were teenagers we sort of had different friends groups and blah blah but he asked me out when we were 16 lighting me up to talk about this and um, he asked me out when he was 16 and i was like no you're my friend nigel there is no way and then he went to work in the shipyard when he was 16. And I, I finished school when I was 16. And I went to tech and he went to the shipyard. And I was working in my mommy's shop in Glen, Glen Gormley. And um, he got off the bus out of the shipyard in his overalls, dirty and horrible. And I went, oh, that's better now. That's much better now. And I nearly went through the shop window, knocking the shop window to get him to come in to visit me. And that was it. The rest history, as they say. The rest history, as they say. So that was, we were just turned 18. We were 18 in the February, so we going out in the March. What, what changed? What changed the perspective? No idea. He grew, you know how boys like grew into themselves at that stage? Nigel is six feet two, and he was probably about 11 stone at 16. He was no longer 11 stone, as they say. They filled out, and he just, he became a, a man, a young man, instead of a boy to me. And he just, and, um, Oh, I will tell you a story and I may cry. Um, when I when we were 16, 17, he, we were always very good friends. And we were and we had someone in our life who passed away. They drowned and passed away. And I was on holiday at the time. And um, so this was 1988, maybe, um, 88, 89. So we were in, I know phones, that was just a different whole thing. And my mom always said, you can make one phone call home to find out what's happening. How's everybody coping? It was a... It was sort of, it was a youth pastor of ours. And um, I said, I know who I'll ring. I'll ring Nigel McFarland. 
because I knew Nigel McFarland would give me the proper details. He wouldn't overreact. He wouldn't da da da. He's always been that person. He's always been my person. He's always been the rock. He's always been that. And he just turned into himself. He turned into a young man. And I knew that he was good for me and that we could have a great love. It's beautiful. To recognize that at such a young age too, it's... I was also a disaster. So I was also a disaster then, Pete. So, you know, I say now in these very bizarre times we're having, I would have actually been down the drain pipe and out and Nigel would have brought me home. And then I would have been down the drain pipe and out and Nigel would have brought me home. So he was very, he was a good calming influence on me while still being passionate and outgoing and all those things. But that base was what I, we talk in the coaching, in the relationship world about balloons and strings. So there's usually in relationships a balloon. <clears throat> I don't need to look too far on that one. And then there's usually a string. And the really great relationships are when you get that balance of balloon and string. If the balloon goes too wild, it's too much for the string. If the string holds too tightly, it deflates the balloon, the balance. It's the balance. That's a beautiful way of looking at it. Do you think that the, how do you have it that people, you know, what if someone says, I don't want to be the string, I want to be the balloon? <laughs> yeah. And there are different times, like in my core, I am a balloon. But um, when my children were born, I was a big string. And around my, and things like I'm, I can be very string like. And actually, then Nigel sort of changes role, roles. We you know, change roles. In, in those roles, we almost change. He's the fun dad. He's the one who goes, of course we can do that. And I'm going, oh, no, I just don't know. And then make it hurt. And it, you know, so in those roles, we change. But in our romantic role, in our um, passionate role, in our, in our, you know, in that relationship, him and I, I'm the balloon and he's the string. And then sometimes you go out in Belfast and he's the balloon and I'm the string. Who knows? Who knows? But the core of who you are. As I always say, Nigel brings the umbrella. I don't actually know where they sell umbrellas. Beautiful way of looking at it. <laughs> Take us back then to, to Mini Lisa. What are we oh, looking at? This is just not where I saw this going at all. Um, so like teenage, little girl. Whatever, whatever that means to you. Um, I was, I was, I, I'm one of those very annoying people who had a really very happy childhood. I had a very happy childhood and my coach would say to me, Lisa, People don't have those happy childhood memories. You understand how fortunate you are. So um, I, I laugh about that quite often. I was a very, very, I was, my parents loved me and celebrated me. And I was a very happy child, very happy child, had a very good childhood. Um, teenagerness was a bit more ropey. actually found out who I was. Maybe parents just thought, oh, my days, is this, is this who she really is going to be? That was a bit more ropey, but didn't do anything horrendous. Just did what teenagers did, you know, um, had a few different boyfriends. Interesting, interesting comment that you said you found out who you really were. Yeah, um, my, my, I think when you're a child, you maybe are what your parents perceive you to be. Or that little girl that your parents are happy to show off and you're happy to be that and you know that makes everybody happy and it's all good and it makes you happy too because you get love and attention for it. And then you go, okay, what's going on now? 
who do I actually want to be? Lots of people do that in their teenage life. Lots of people don't do that till they're in their 30s. And that's a problem. I was very fortunate that I did do it in my teenage years. Find out who I was. Do you think, do people get you? Have people always got <laughs> No, 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 no. People don't get me at all. People don't get me at all. No, and a big, uh, so like big things for me would have been, um, at Lisa, you can't say that. Clearly, that's untrue. Um, Lisa, you're a bit much. Get back in your box. Um, Lisa, you can't ask people those questions. I bet you got that, Pete, too. And here you are asking all the questions. Um, Lisa, you can't talk to people about their sex life. Lisa, you can't talk to people about relationships. Lisa, you can't ask people that. Mm. Turns out I can. What's what's a really powerful question for you? For me to ask someone? Mm. For me to ask someone, what do you want your life to look like? Hmm. That's interesting because there's a change in term there because you use a lot of kinesthetic language and then mm -hmm. you've changed the question to a visual question. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm very feel, I feel, I feel, I feel, I feel. But when I'm talking to people, I say, what well, you have to tell me what you wanted to learn. I need you to feel in to how that would make, how you can make that happen and how it would feel in your body. Mm. But you have to know what you want it to look like. I wanted a forever love, a movie love, a beautiful home, kids. That's what I wanted. When Nigel got down on one knee, I wouldn't let him get up until I had all those things arranged. No, literally, I'm not even joking. I discussed children, everything, while he was down on one knee. Nice. Because I knew what I wanted. That, that's quite something. Can we tell you how old I was? Please. 22. And was it right? Absolutely. 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 Um, hard work. Took us a little while to get um, our first daughter. Took us a little while to get her here. I had uh, three miscarriages before I had her. And she uh, was full on, <laughs> screamed from the day she was born. And then our sister came along 15 months later. Um, so it wasn't ideally like a storybook by any means by any means but um i i i just a big believer and you can't just leave it to chance you can't just think oh well sure meh. you know what do you want it to look like when i started going to my coach um she told me that no one was coming to save me i was like are you having a laugh right now are you having a laugh no, 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 no. And and I often say whenever we, Nigel and I went to coaching or counselling, I said, I clearly brought him for you to fix him. Why am I having to do the work? You know, we love to do this. We love to just, you know, oh, someone's going to come and fix us. Someone's going to get a man's going to come. Jesus is going to come. And um, somebody's coming to save us. Somebody's coming to save us. And they're not. You've got to do it. you just got to do the work. You've got to know what you want it to look like and do the work to get there. Why, why can't we see ourselves? Hmm. Well, in my work, people pleasing is huge. If I could get everyone 
to stop people pleasing. Oh, my head's actually going to explode. Um, if I could get everybody to stop people pleasing, oh, my days. And the worry of what so-and-so will think about me is I don't know if it's just an Irish thing or I don't know. But that worry of what will so-and-so think about me, it is huge. It is huge. It is huge. If I get too big, if I get too big for my boots, what about that one? You're getting a bit big for your boots, Pete. You're getting a bit big for your boots, Pete. That whole thing, that is, that's in our being. That's buried somewhere in our cells. What, what way does, what way could people recognize people pleasing? Okay, so this is a practical tool you want to get right now. So people pleasing is when you do something, looking for the reward. If you make a lasagna for your neighbor and you're making it for her to tell your other neighbor that you made her a lasagna, that's people pleasing. If you're in your house and you think, oh, I have some lasagna left over. So-and-so just had an operation. I'll drop that round to her. That is not people pleasing. That is doing it because you want to serve from a full heart. People pleasing is when you are pleasing so they will fill your, I, I talk about filling your cup. You're looking for them to fill your cup when, and because your cup's depleted. And that's why people please. But we have to fill our own cup and then we serve from a full cup. Self-love, self-worth, self-acceptance, filling our own cup. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. For a long time in our marriage, I looked at my age to fill my cup, especially when the kids were away, especially when the kids were away. It was like, when are you coming home from work? I need a break. You know, that's normal, you know, ish. But I looked to him a lot. For, and we had a we had a laugh two weekends ago. Um, remember when the kids were wee and Nigel took to painting one of their bedrooms, and by Sunday afternoon I was totally past myself. I was like, "When am I going to see you?" Remember, my love language is time. Well, this all week, you're all weekend you've been painting. I've not seen you all weekend. You're going back to work on Monday, and I'm not going to get. So a few weeks ago, he was painting the kitchen, and I came in on the Sunday evening, and I said, "Can we discuss how good I've been?" And he said, you haven't lifted one paintbrush one time, Lisa. How good could you possibly be? I said, I'm not talking about the painting, Nigel. I'm talking about my growth, my behavior, how I filled my own cup all weekend. I haven't depended on you to fill my cup. At all. And he was like, you are a bloody saint. What can I tell you? Taking, you know, making fun of me. But that was 19 years ago, 17, 18 years ago. I depended on him to fill my cup. I depended on him to complete me. You know, in those horrible movies, like Jerry Maguire, to complete me, that there, that's just a load of rubbish. That's all just horrible. Two whole people building a relationship. Two whole people building a relationship. That's what we need to do. That, did that answer your question at all? Yeah, no, it did. It did. <laughs> um, but as my mind sort of works in questions anyway, so it's kind of, it's triggered something else that, you know, you were saying, you know, the expression, you know, you're you're two halves of the one whole or whatever, you know, and, and you're going to get that Hate in relationships. That. Hate that. Why? Hate that. Because we're already complete the way we are. We have to know our awesomeness and then we bring that awesomeness to the other person. This idea that someone's, and the big, huge chunk is when you put that other person on a pedestal that they're going to complete you, 
they can never, ever, ever reach that potential. Because when they screw up and do something wrong, then you're like, oh, my days, how's this going to work now? They're meant to be completing me, and now they've screwed up. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. Old-fashioned thinking. It's interesting. I suppose linking it back to what you were saying with your parents there and, you know, parents that think, oh, my child is perfect and this and that and the other, and then vice versa, you know, kids sort of think their their parents are perfect. And, you know, and it's until you see them out of an environment or you, you know, mm-hmm. certainly there has to be a, a, a point mm-hmm. when there's, I don't know, change in perspective, I suppose, yeah. maybe the... Um, I love um, Brene Brown. If people haven't watched her Netflix special, it's awesome. Um, she tells a little story one time where she was on a book tour and apparently she's quite an introvert. She's quite introvert, except but she talks for a living. So, um, But that exhausts her. Um, and um, she couldn't make it to her son's swim meet or something. And so he got home and he obviously disappointed his mom wasn't there. And she said, look, I'm so, so sorry that I couldn't make it. I'm just not going to lie to you. I am exhausted. I just couldn't be with any more people. And he said, no, it's all right. Okay. And he's going to be like 13 or 14. So the next day, the story goes that she, they had friends and relatives over. And he said to her, I'm just going to look upstairs for a little while. I, I kind of just, and she was like, okay, okay. Right. Okay. He goes, it just, it wasn't till yesterday when you told me that about you, that I realized it was okay to say, I need some alone time. So the more vulnerable we can be with our partners, the more vulnerable we can be with our children, we give them the freedom to be vulnerable. And that that is powerful. So there's a vulnerability there to just, you know, I mean, there's a lot going around at the moment, you know, saying it's okay to not be okay and things like that, which is, it's just, listen, it's awesome, you know, and allowing people that what you know what springs to mind i suppose is almost like you know men are from what is it Mars, men are from venus. mars women are from venus you know is whether that must just be your type or whatever you know men want to fix it what's wrong with you let's fix it you know it's like going i just want to talk it's like huh? but I, I could 100%. so i could i could so fix this like if you give me a chance 100 percent, and i would tell people women especially to say start your conversation like this i just need to tell you this i don't want it fixed just, I just need to tell you. I just need to tell you what happened in the hairdressers today. I don't need you to fix it for me. Okay. And then I tell guys, and just sit, just sit and let it be. And that is the hardest thing for guys sometimes. Just sit and let it be. And maybe at the end say, Oh, I'm very proud of you. Or that was a lot. That was a lot. That's all you have to say. That's all you have to say. As as people in general, are we are we being heard enough? Do we do we get that chance to? Come I have out? a question for you. Are we speaking enough? Define speaking. Saying our needs, saying our wants, saying what we want our life to look like, saying I don't feel heard, all those things, all those things. How often do you hear people say, oh, "Couldn't say that." <gasps> couldn't say that oh i couldn't text them that what would they think if i said that say it just say it 
They generally say that though with a whacking great big smile on their face too, right? I couldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, sometimes the ones I worry about are the ones going, no, I couldn't say that. You know, the one, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Of course you can. And what are you not saying to your partner? That's the problem. And even to yourself, right? I mean, I just, I'm, I'm kind of struck by this that, you know, the conversations you aren't having with yourself or understanding your own language or understanding your own needs and wants. Yeah. Now, in um, my little world, we call these automatic negative thoughts and we call these automatic negative thoughts Shirley. Sorry to all the Shirleys out there, but you can name your automatic negative thoughts, whatever you want to name them, Billy, John, whatever. We have a lot of Maggies over in um, Instagram um, with a lot of Maggies and um, negative Nancy's and things like that. So we recognize our automatic negative thoughts. We recognize our automatic negative thoughts. So your automatic negative thought for me this morning was being, would be, Lisa, what are you not like? You're going to go on and do this podcast. Would you ever wise up? Who ever thought that you would be able to do this? That's an automatic negative thought. So we just have to see them as what they are. It's just a thought. My little hashtag, my little thing is, it's just a thought. And we make friends with those thoughts. We say, um, oh, I see you, Shirley. Thank you. Thank you for your input. And I know that you're trying to keep me safe, but you're just keeping me small. So thank you. I hear you, but I'm going to go ahead and do the podcast. Literally how I talk to myself. So we also call that our inner critic our ego, our chimp mind, all the things, all the things. That's your automatic negative thoughts. And we are convinced that they are going to keep, they try to convince us that they're keeping us safe, but they're just keeping us small. You, so HR was your your sort of mm-hmm. background, if you like. Mm-hmm. Give, us, give us an overview of your, your corporate life. Oh, goodness. Right. Um, well, my corporate life started in daycare. Um, my corporate life started in daycare. I, I went to tech, trained as um, a nursery nurse. And then we went, went, then worked in day nurseries. And then I went, then Nigel and I went to America for three and a half years. My brother lives in America. So we, that was kind of us, neither of us went to university. So that was kind of us, our university Sort of, so we went there for three and a half years. And then when I came home, went back to working in nurseries. And then Nigel and I then decided to take on this business. It was actually my father's business and he offered it to us and we decided to take it on. And then within that, I had always managed people as in managed in-day nurseries and managed children, <laughs> looked after children and managed the staff. So this was just sort of an extension of that. Um, and yeah, loved it, loved it. Loved it. Yeah. I love, yeah. I love people. I love the connection. I love just delving in and seeing what's really going on underneath there. So for HR for me was perfect. Sorry, the so the your father's business was in nurseries? Was it is it all in the no, same? no, 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 it's not in nurseries, it's totally different. But it's um there's fifty odd staff there. So Nigel would do all the finance and I would do all the the people. He did the money and I did the people. So what where where did the, the nursery bit come from for you? Oh, for the childcare, I was just one. Of, I just I I was always people would always say, "Oh, Lisa's so good with babies, and Lisa's so good with children," and and I I love that. I love that part. I love that part. 
and um, I loved that part. And then I didn't, as I went through sort of working in day nurseries as, you know, the wee assistant and worked my way up to sort of more sort of managing a little team. I like that part. I love that part too. And making schedules and all that sort of thing. That was something I didn't know I would ever like. And then I liked all that part too. And I remember actually, as you asked me that, I remember in tech in Rupert Stanley in Belfast and having to do observations, they were called, of children. So you had to sit in the corner of a room for 20 minutes and observe a child. And that always fascinated me. So I was 16, 17, 18 then. That always fascinated me. So when I look at myself now at 48, I go, this has always been a theme for me. It's always been in there, rumbling. It's amazing that that connection. And I mean, do, do you feel connected to people? I mean, how, when, when you're, you know, children and things like that, and even in the work you do is. How, how, um, I, for me, I suppose it's no, there's just, it's not, I can't be a different way. I just, like Nigel would say, when people in Tesco's ask you how you are, they just are looking for good. That's all they're looking for, Lisa. But I'm 20 minutes into a conversation. And um, so another thing people would say to me or about me is, why did I, this is not within my work. This could be somebody I would meet in Tesco's. Why did I tell you all that? Why did I actually just tell you all that? I think it's probably because I tell told you all that. So you can tell me. I, I think I have a gift that it's it's okay to tell me stuff because life's hard and it's all right to say it's really hard because I'm here saying I've had to do X, Y, and Z. Is that, is that your superpower? It could be my superpower. <laughs> yeah. I met a girl in Little after lockdown part one and she showed, you know, smiled across the app. Oh, how did lockdown go for you? Wasn't it great to have some time? And I just looked across the aisle and I went, are you having an actual laugh right now? It is horrendous. We are built for more. Like this is in Little. Remember, we're in Little right now. I went, we are built for more than this. Yes, my little business has done very well through lockdown, but we are absolutely built for more than this. And this is really hard and people are having a very hard time. And her face dropped and I thought, oh dear, she's going to. And she went, it's been really hard for us too. We've really struggled. The teenagers have had a, such a hard time. And I went, thank, in my head, I went, thank goodness. Got to get through the bullshit. Got to stop this. Got to stop this. Why, why, why do we why, put that out? Why, why? Oh, people don't see me slapping my head right now, do they? Um is it all those limiting beliefs that we were brought with? You can't say that. You can't do that. What will people think? Can't show vulnerability. You can't. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. All I do know is something's broken. When I started this thing, I just kept saying there has to be a different way to do this. Everything is at its worst. Literally, the planet right now is at its worst relationships are at their worst did i see that domestic violence uh, with um, the study women's aid have done has doubled during this last six months and um, we're doing it wrong something has to change we have to start doing it differently 
And if I can play my little part, I'm very happy to do that. What what changed for you? I mean, you, you highlighted there at sort of at 40 odd, you know, th- those changes came into play for you. Mm. I think a lot of it probably was seeing my big girls now, my big girl will be 18, 19 next month. Um, I think part of it for me was, okay, what what what's happening now? And I think somewhere in my head, I thought the younger generation were going to just get this. I just thought they were going to, this was just going to, um, as I saw them going through big school, I was like, really not much has changed here. Not much has changed. We're still not talking about sex. We're still not talking about intimacy. We're still not talking about emotions. We're still not talking about how to manage your anger. We're still not talking about how to be vulnerable. We're still not talking about how to bring your true self, how to find out who you are and what your part is to play here. We're still not talking to kids about what makes you happy. What lights you up? What fills your cup? How do you complete yourself? How do you, when are you going to find out who you are? We're still not talking to them. So watching them go through big school and listen, my kids' school's great. Watching them go through big school and going, we're still not getting taught about birth control here. What, what's, what's happening? What, what, we're still not getting told about. Um, and me going, okay, that's it. Somebody has, and it's not just me. There's tons of people saying, saying all the words. And if I can just do my little bit. What does fill your cup? <laughs> uh, not depending on other people to validate you. Not depending on other people to make you feel good about yourself. Huge for me because one of my love languages is words of affirmation. So that's huge for me. So how do I affirm myself? How do I say, Lisa, you can do this. Lisa. That was a great thing you did. Lisa, look what you're doing. Lisa, look at, fill your own cup. Fill your own cup. Maybe one of my other ones is time. So I need to spend time with me, meditating, journaling, filling your own cup, doing things that make you feel happy and complete. We're not told this, tell you that for nothing. We're not taught that. We must know our self-worth. We must actually love who we are. With all our faults, with all our damage, with all our stuff, accept all that and love who we actually are, who we were brought here to be. Do you love yourself? Do you like yourself? I do. I do. Most days. Most days. For me, I'm a spiritual person. So for me, I absolutely believe that I have a divine gift. I'd like to teach it like it's a little spark. It's your little divine spark. It was what makes Pete Pete and so it makes me me. Okay. I have atheist friends and they just call it their being. Their being. What makes one of your babies different than the other baby? It's your being. What makes my three children, you know, not yes it's a personality but it's their little divine spark and that's how i talk about it their little divine spark and for me if we cannot love and accept that divine spark within us we will never be able to get out of our own way and do what we're here to do in in relationships how many people take it out on the partner 
you know, I'm always struck by the whole thing of, you know, finger pointing. It's one mm-hmm. finger forward and three fingers mm-hmm. back. Mm-hmm. Here's what fascinates me. If we don't love ourselves, why are we out there looking for someone to love us? If we don't have love and acceptance for ourselves, why would we think someone else would love and accept us? Is that not a wee bit strange? Very true. <laughs> Back when you were sort of young, I mean, we, you know, I, I, I was interested there, you know, obviously you sort of, you, you found yourself at quite a, you know, your, your true self there at a, at a very early age as such, you know, yeah. through your teenagers. But before that, when were you your true self before that? Um, well, I don't know. Maybe so inner child work would be something that I like to do. Mm-hmm. So I've done a lot of inner child work, obviously, on myself. And then I help people do that. Um, but I have a I have a lot of memories of being like my brother and sister are a lot older than me. So um, they're great. Um, but they would be a lot older than me. So I would have had times by myself and um, but I was always allowed to bring a friend or whatever. But I, rem- I have lots of memories of just being on the beach or like flying a kite on a beach, like by my like my dad would be helping me. And then I would remember like feeling OK about just being being me, being me Um, uh, lots of times. um, just when I'm younger, I could just be like, um. Do you know, you're not old enough to remember this, people, but there's a little house in the prairie and the little girl is like running through the field. I have lots of times like that when I look back and I think I was actually just felt really free and really just happy to be me then. And that is a gift. Lots of people don't have that. Hmm. I'm curious, you, you, does it does sometimes a change in tense when you talk? Okay. You talk about I, you talk about me. Then you, you sort of referred to yourself by name a short while ago. Yeah. I can see her sometimes. I see the little girl. I think she's great. And then I have to bring her in. Sometimes when I have my biggest doubts or my biggest Shirley thoughts going off, you know, we can bring her in and be, you know, she just thought things were possible. She just thought, she thought life was great. She didn't really know. What did we know when we were blessed like me to have a, nice childhood what did we know about suffering and that sort of thing you know and that lovely divine gift that lovely fresh that fresh thing that fresh thing that we see in our own kids that's a lovely lovely place are you where you're supposed to be right now oh i'm loving where i am right now absolutely loving where i am right now my I'm one of these people that this certain situation that we're in at the minute, my little business, my little part-time gig. I don't know if you follow a guy called Gary V. His whole thing is, you know, do your part-time gig until it becomes your main gig. So my little part-time gig, which started off in January, is doing a few week courses in the local community center, has now become this whole thing. Um, And I am loving it right now. I will absolutely love it even more when we can go and have big events and do conferences and things that light people up and we're bringing whole groups of people together. And I believe that that sort of being together in communion of, you know, that that's the best place to be. That's the best place to be and to have 
inspirational speakers, hopefully like myself and Pat Disley and uh, other people, um, have everybody like that who just could teach people how to get out of their own way and bring their superpower out. Find it and then bring it out. Who does inspire you or a hero for you? Um, well, Oprah is my queen. <laughs> Why? Sorry, I'm a child of the 80s. Um, oh, I just think she's brilliant and she's, she's morphed and developed. And I just think, I just think, and like that whole thing, she goes, light bulb, light bulb. I'm just like, um, you know, I did, I, I, um, her horse that she did with Eckhart Tolle, um, on the new earth. So she did 10 with him. I literally was like, okay, pause again, pause again. I can't, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> I can't even deal with this anymore. It's just too, you know, it's just so good. So, so good. <coughs> um, who else at the minute? Um, Pat Devlin, loving all his stuff that he's doing. <coughs> I'm going to have to pause and get a glass of water. Um, Robins, uh, yeah, so many, so many. Um, yeah, lots of people love the podcast, all that sort of thing. Brene Brown, yeah, yeah. I mean, having all those influences and Oprah's in your life and all, and it's it just, um, it's been a lifetime of sort of inspiration for you. It comes across, you know, just you've just always been open and listening and, and uh, connecting. Does that make sense to you? It does. I and mean, if you talk to people in my life, they find it very, they have find it annoying sometimes <laughs> because I'm that person who uh, who waits till you know the drinks have been taken for me to ask the important questions you know the ones that you know and they're like why do you always go here why do you always do this why do you but it fascinates me it fascinates me and now I, I get paid to do what I've always wanted to do you know so it's great it's great yeah when you ask a question, are you, are you asking yourself or are you asking someone else? Hmm. I would say that I learn as much about myself when I'm coaching people as I do when I'm coaching them. Hmm. You know, and I think that's standard with when you're working with people, couples, singles, you can see yourself in, in situations. You know, and I, I joke, I tell people all the time, I am the worst coach ever because I tell people everything about myself. And then people pop up to me and they go, don't say that. That's why we love you, because you tell us everything about yourself. <laughs> and then she says, you know, I just like to give you content for the page. I just like to give you content for the people. That's my whole job, Lisa. I'm like, yes, that's right. That's right. But that, that, I mean, that's what's coming across. Is, <coughs> you know, that is almost a superpower in itself that, you know, you... you you expose a vulnerability you you there's a humbleness there that actually it lowers the barriers that people go well gosh if you can share that then maybe i can share back with you yeah 100 percent, 100 percent, 100 percent. how many times have you told people that you're not feeling great and then they respond with you and say they say no i've struggled with that too <clears throat> guys particularly have a really this is really difficult for guys to step into that vulnerability is very very difficult very difficult who do you serve best? Ooh, who do I serve best? I like to hope that I serve myself and then my husband and my children. 
and then from a professional capacity? Um, what lights me up the most <laughs> is public speaking, which is mental, terrifies me the most, lights me up the most. But I do love the one-to-one -one coaching and the couples coaching is, I love coaching young couples who maybe have one baby, two babies, and they've just lost their way. They've just lost their way. They love each other. They respect each other. They just haven't got any tools. Love that. What is it about speaking that lights you up? Mm. Lights a fire in my belly. Lights a fire in my belly. You're so nervous. You're so excited. You can't believe it. Ah! And then the words just start flowing out. Then the words just start flowing. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And if I can be that tiny bit of inspiration that people go, oh, my goodness, there's a middle-aged woman who's just gone, yeah, you know what? I decided in my 40s to do X, Y, and Z. And someone goes, okay, maybe I could do X, Y, and Z then. My very good friend, a big catalyst for this whole thing was my very good friend and neighbor um, was diagnosed with breast cancer at 41. And she was so brave. And I'm happy to say breast cancer survivor. Uh, but she had eight months of chemo, eight months of chemo. And I did not hear one word out of her mouth of self-pity, anything, nothing. It was just, I'm going to fight. And I have this plan. and I have that plan. And I just thought, you know what? We just never know when our day is going to be. And I will refuse. I refuse to waste the gifts that I've been given. I will live my full, full life. I'm interested. You, you talked about a divine gift a short mm. while ago. Mm -hmm. What What is it and what does it mean to you? Um, <clears throat> so I suppose growing up, it would have been very much, you know, some things coming to save you. You're down here doing the sinning. You're all with the sinning. Um, and you're broken and you're a sinner and something is coming to save you. I never really sat well with me and it de definitely didn't sit well with me when I had my children to think of them as this broken thing that needed saved. They were perfect. They are perfect. Well, they're practically perfect. Um, you know, they, they to think of that, that did not sit with me well. So then when we came away from church and religion and things, and I started getting more and more into this and got um got my own coach and things like that. And she was the first one to say, no one's coming, but here's the great news. You have it already inside you. You were born with it. It's yours. Your only job is to pick it up. It's your only job. Get out of your own way, pick it up and do what you're meant to do. Isn't it funny? It's the easiest thing to do, but yet the hardest thing to do. What will so-and-so think? What will my granny Jane think? What will my so-and-so think? What will all my inner thoughts think? What will my... What, uh, 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 uh. What's a guilty pleasure for you? Oh, a guilty pleasure. I don't even know if I have any guilty pleasures. I like everything. Um, yeah, I don't do guilt and shame. So many people pick up on that. What, what do you do for pleasure and leisure then? Oh, um, 
I was going to say sex, and that's totally inappropriate. Um, um, uh, <laughs> I um, it's not inappropriate. There's no guilt and shame. Of course, we have sex. Everybody's having sex. Shut up. And um, that was me talking to my inner critic there. Um, so people are going to think this is mad. People are absolutely going to think this is absolutely insane. Uh, for pleasure, I love to sit on my red city with my husband, love of my life, and watch a movie and have a glass of wine. Um, I like to go, I go for walks. I really live a very pleasure-filled life. Like I love my work. I I love the lie-in on a Saturday morning. Um, I love to stay up really late. Nige says, if morning Lisa and nighttime Lisa could meet each other and have a proper chat with each other, that would be awesome for me because I'll stay up to one and not want to get up at half seven in the morning. Um, no, I really do. Yeah. Yeah, I fill my life with a lot of what I love to do, what I love to do. Hmm. What's your go-to on wine then? You talked about glass of wine and sitting on the couch. Just a white, I'm not a, I'm not a posh girl, like just a wee white Pinot Grigio and I'm good to go. Just a wee Pinot Grigio and I'm good to go. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. What do, what do people sort of not get about you? Hmm. Oh, hmm. I don't really think. Okay. So people say this about me or they say this to Nigel. It's very annoying. Um, they say things like this to him. They say, I can't believe you're letting her do this. There's so many layers in that. I can't even start that. Um, and his response is, this is who she is. This is who she's always been. This is my Lisa. She just hid that from you for a long time. Because I had to play a part when my children were little. I had to play a part when I took them to mothers and toddlers. Because I'm a wee bit much. A wee bit much. I had to play a part. I had to play a part. I had to. And we do that. I've just finished that Glennon Doyle book, Untamed. And her whole thing is your 20s are when you find out who you are. Your 30s is when you just you have to play the part of who everybody needs you to be. And then your 40s, you go, oh, no, no, no. I'm so done with this. This is the biggest load of crap I've ever been sold in my life. Here I am. Like it or not. Greatest showman every day of the week. Let's just watch that on repeat. This is me. And the more I become authentically me, the more people are uh, drawn to me. When I was not being my authentic self, I had this, people don't like me and, 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 and uh, I'm not. And then I got out of my own way and more people were drawn to me. Isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's amazing how, and that can be, it can make people feel quite vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, or, or you know, and a bit like you talk about sex, you talk about being vulnerable, you talk about so many things, and, and some people are going to be going, um. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you know what that is? That's my job to trigger you. Some of us are sent here to be triggers. And if my job is to trigger you to look at something in you that you're uncomfortable with, that's just a thing. How, how do you trigger in a positive and constructive way? Yeah, it's the vulnerability piece. Okay. 
the vulnerability piece. There's nothing worse than being triggered. Being a, you know what you should do? You should actually do da 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 And what you should do and what will make your life much better is, one, we can't change other people. We can only change ourselves. We can only grow. So if I trigger you and then you go, no, but she didn't always used to think this way. Look, she said on Pete's thing, blah, blah, blah. That's not always who she was. So she is triggering me, but there's a vulnerability there too. There's an honesty there as well. That's the thing. And maybe when I was younger, I didn't have that vulnerability piece. Maybe when I was younger, I was triggering people in not the right way. Mm. Who knows? Who knows? I know for me, a big part was not being fully myself. Nearly made people think um, they just didn't know who I was. They couldn't get a sense of actually who I was because I wasn't being true, true, true to myself. Are you fulfilling your potential? I really hope so. And I hope there's so much more to come. Mm. I used to say when I was old, younger, like, what is there? Like, once we have the kids raised, what is there? And they'd be like, retirement and cruises. And I was like, no, there has to be something else, babe. There has to be something else. There has to be something else we can do. Maybe that was me putting it out to the universe that I wanted something else. But this, what I'm doing right now, is absolutely thrills me. I love it. I so the reason this all happened, Pete, was whenever we went into first lockdown, I was doing my HR job and I then was running little courses at nighttime and I was coaching maybe like two or three couples. Um, and it was my part-time gig. So then the announcement came, couldn't believe it, had to grieve, five stages of grief, had to work myself through the five stages of grief in about an hour and a half. And I thought, I know what I need. I need purpose. So my HR job, I can do via Zoom a couple of hours a week. I can do that. And I need purpose. And we all know we need purpose to be fulfilled. We need purpose. What will I do? I had done a few lives on my Instagram page prior to this. And I thought, you know what? People need to hear good stories. They need to hear these life coaching skills that I've been banging on about. Um, I'm going to get on every morning on Instagram at 10 a.m. to give myself purpose. So I got on Instagram at 10 o'clock, seven people watched the first day. And by the time I got to 56 lives and we were six weeks into lockdown, over a thousand people were watching. Isn't that, are you proud of yourself for that? I'm a wee bit proud of myself. Why a wee bit? Yeah. Somebody said this to me and it was a lovely, lovely thing. And um, they said, you are so constant. Hmm. You are constant. And I thought, hmm, I'm going to take that as a compliment. Um, and, and I have always been like this, Pete. See, if I get my teeth stuck into something, I'm tenacious. I've always been like that. And if I get my teeth stuck in, I will not give in, which is a great thing. And it's a terrible thing, too. But I will not give in. So and then people were feeding back and people and then a beautiful influencer, Sinead Haig, Sinead Haggerty found me and started shouting me out on her page so I started to get all these new followers and then I messaged her and said this is so nice of you thank you so much and um, you know you don't have to do that or I'm, I'm just and she said Lisa yes I will shout you out but it's the content people need to hear the content and I went okay thank you very much can you take a compliment I'm trying really hard it's it's funny it's yeah 
it is funny it's beautiful though i mean yeah genuinely i think sharing like that is is awesome you know and, and people are going to come at you with energy and compliments and resonance so there's the other side too there's the other side too I uh, had a lot of weird and wonderful uh, situations and a lot of people have had to block and things like that. And I think I believe that things happen for a reason. I believe that I couldn't have coped with this when I was younger. I wouldn't have had the stance. I wouldn't have had the, I would just wouldn't be able to. Um, um, so it's a perfect time for me. Perfect time for me to be able to see the, you know, genuine from the, you know. So without, without giving it too much energy, I mean, what, what do you mean by sort of strange? Oh. People ring me just like, I'm um, sorry to say, so those guys just ring. They want to talk about certain things. They will okay. tell me that I love your smile. I'd love to see your smile in person. Shut up. Blocked. And <laughs> um, that's you. Done. And um, uh, and on Instagram, people can just ring you on Instagram if they have, you know, if, you, they, if they're following you, they can. I'm just like, what? Who does that? Get a grip of yourself. Blocked. And um, so, yeah. A lot of people, not a lot of people get blocked, but yeah, some people just get blocked. Some people get a wee chance and other people don't. Hmm. Hmm. No, that's powerful. What's what's a bit of a go-to? What's what's a sort of a bit of a tool for people who are, you know, either through their relationship or, you know, is there anything you would recommend them to, to read or to do? or? Love languages, love languages, love languages. Core values, core values. What are your core values? Okay, you can Google core values. Okay, there's 50 million of them. So loyalty, trust, um, authenticity, vulnerability, travel, children, uh, nature. It, it can be anything. You come up with yours, your partner comes up with theirs, and hopefully some of them overlap. So like one of those circle diagrams with the overlapping bit. I'm using my hands. Nobody can see what the flipping hell and um, so they were laughing a bit and that's where you build your relationship on those things that overlap so hopefully loyalty is big to you both or hopefully this or maybe it could be that um you don't want a monogamous relationship maybe um swinging is your thing maybe um having a threesome is your thing maybe having an open relationship is your thing is that a core value for you you need to be upfront and say it you need to say what your core values are was coaching somebody one time and they forgot to say things before they got married and now they're married three years and they're living in a country they don't want to live in they don't want to have children and their partner does and they are screwed like they they forgot to say something (laughs) they just forgot to say a wee thing or two about themselves they forgot their core values they forgot who they were in one or two words then lisa what is your fire in the belly? My fire in the belly is, could we please all educate ourselves on how to have healthy relationships? Fill our own cups. Know our self-worth. Find love and acceptance for ourselves. Bring that love and acceptance and that best self to the other people in your life. That's definitely not two words. <laughs> um, do you want to go again? <laughs> I'm, I'm dreading what will happen the second time. No, I'm only joking. Know yourself. Mm, beautiful. How can people find you, track you down, follow I hate you? This. I hate this. 
I'm really active on Instagram. So it's Lisa McFarland, Life and Relationship Coach or relationship.coaching.ni. Um, you can just DM me on there. Um, I have a website. Um, my website's actually called Just a Thought because my little thing that when I started this whole, just to give myself a little bit of security, I started saying at the end, it's just a thought. It's just a thought. You know, don't take it all personally. It's just a thought. And everybody loves the just a thought now. Um, and it was actually my, the guy who did the website for me said, you know what, it would be lovely to have the thing as just a thought because if people are approaching me for coaching, and they don't want their partner or someone in their life to see what they're being billed for. They're just a thought is a nice little thing. And we must remember that most of these anxieties and things that keep us from being our best selves and keep us from shining our little light are just a thought. Just a thought. So that's where you find me. Any final thoughts? Hmm. All that time that you worry what so-and-so is thinking about you, they're not. They're thinking about themselves. So all those years you've wasted not being your true self because what your Auntie Phyllis will think about you. Your Auntie Phyllis isn't thinking about you. Your Auntie Phyllis is worried about what you think about her. So get out of your own way. Get out of your own goddamn way. Shine your light. All the baby light workers need to do better because it's enough already it's enough it's our time now let's go lisa it's been awesome thank you so much and i'm no doubt we will talk again so. you're very very welcome <laughs> thank, thank you. you for having me thank you well that was another great episode of fire in the belly you know this really wouldn't be possible without a great guest taking the time to share their personal journeys and boy boy sometimes it is personal it's an absolute pleasure to have that and then to hear the journeys that people have been on. We've loads more episodes coming up soon, and it's always a pleasure to have guests on. If you do happen to know anyone with true fire in their belly, please reach out to us so we can share their journey, lessons and successes. So all that's left to say is have a great day, live with fire in your belly, and be the mightiest version of you.